morning, church. It is always good to be back at Sequoia Hills Baptist Church, and um, we've we've had the privilege and opportunity through what I do in my work, and uh, the privilege and opportunity of not serving on a staff to visit a lot of different churches. And I said this, I think, the last time I was here, church, you're blessed with the music program you have here at Sequoia Hills Baptist Church. And uh, and I'm, I'm glad to be back today. It's exciting to be back in the house of the Lord. It's always exciting to have the opportunity to teach again. And it's always exciting to continue to hear that God is doing great things at Sequoia Hills Baptist Church. I'm always overjoyed every time that I have an opportunity to visit with somebody from here, Brother Fred and Sheila, or had lunch with Pastor Jamie a couple of weeks ago. And God is still doing great things at Sequoia Hills Baptist Church. And I believe he has even greater things still for Sequoia Hills Baptist Church in the days ahead. And uh, I'm just glad to get to come and be a part, share this morning. I appreciate Brother Jamie giving me this opportunity. And I hope that you came this morning expecting to hear from the Lord. I hope that you came not expecting to hear anything good from me because I don't have anything good for you. All that I have is the word of the Lord and the Holy Spirit living in me. And he's our teacher. And so I've just asked him to give me a word for you. And I, in fact, uh, about two and a half months ago, the Lord began to give a message that was resonating in my heart. And I began to study, and I didn't know what it was for, but I know now because Jamie gave me the invitation to come, and the Lord said, that was, that's a word for these people today, and so I believe that the Lord has given me a word for you, and I'm excited about this opportunity to be here. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 is a great book, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about why and the circumstances and what was going on in a little bit. But I want us to read our text this morning, kind of set the stage. We're going to talk about knowing how to walk. Maybe even a better title would be learning how to walk. And uh, it seems elementary, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But there's a very important principle here that I think we've sung about this morning, having faith in God. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And and we're going to see that God's Word encourages us. In fact, it does more than encourage. It's a charge to us this morning to learn to walk and walk in the right way so that we can be overcomers, so that we can have victory in this life. So Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege and the awesome opportunity to stand before your people. And Father, open your word and let your Holy Spirit teach us. And Lord, we just ask in the few moments that we have here this morning that with all the cares of the world and all the things that we have planned for this day and the things that we're going to face in the week to come, that just for a few moments here, that we could be still. We could put our focus, turn our eyes upon Jesus. And Father, that you would speak to us, that your word would be clear. And Father, I pray for an anointing and an unction and a passion to teach this truth to your people, that it might change their lives. And, Father, that they truly might be able to learn to live and walk in victory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I know many of you know uh, my brother, Brian. He, he was here several times when I was pastoring and here with my family. He, he actually has taught some. And so 
He is pastoring now in Stillwater, Oklahoma. He's the executive pastor at Stillwater Bible Church. And he and his wife, Rachel, have tried for years to have a child. And uh, they prayed and they waited upon the Lord. And they were getting ready to go through a process, a procedure to help them be able to possibly have a child. And there was no guarantee. And before they ever started the process, back in May of this year, God gave them a beautiful baby girl, Lauren Daisy James. And, uh, and so we're very grateful for that. And uh, there she is. I wanted to bring a picture, show, you know, if dad was here, he'd be bragging, but I can brag as an uncle too. And you know, I've watched her. She was very, very tiny. She was born in, in a very critical circumstance. In fact, Rachel was life-lighted from Stillwater to Oklahoma City, and they had to take the baby immediately by surgery. And so she was four pounds and seven ounces. She was tiny. She was little bitty. She's great now. She's healthy. She's growing. And it's amazing to watch the process. And, you know, in a few months, she'll be put, beginning to pull herself up. She'll, beginning to, she'll be, get to that point where she can hang on to something. She can stand. Eventually, she'll begin to take her first steps. And, and before long, she'll be running, walking around into anything and everything uh, that will be getting her in trouble and keeping her mom and dad on their toes all the time. And I can't wait for that time. My brother loves kids, and he's excited about this. And, and I can't wait to watch the process of, of him being a dad, and, and, and he's been a great dad so far. But just like Lauren will come to a point in her life where she has to learn to walk. She has to learn to control her muscles. She has to learn how, in, in order to get from one place to another, to put one feet in front of the other. And so too do you and I as believers in Jesus Christ. We need to learn to walk. We need to learn to move through this life in the way that God intended for us to move through this life. And so Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae because many of those new believers there at the church, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but they had failed to continue to grow. And then some teachers came in, and they began teaching a false doctrine. And the church just really began to be confused and about who Jesus was and about how to live this Christian life. And so Paul writes this letter to the church at Colossae and therefore to us as believers as well that they were struggling just to live out the Christian life. And so Paul is giving them instruction. He's giving them encouragement. He is giving them inspiration to live in a way that pleases God. That's his, that's his passion. He says, listen, I, I, I'm excited to hear about your faith, but I want so much more for you. In fact, if you just look back over in chapter 1, I hope you still have your Bibles open. Back in chapter 1, verse 9, listen to what Paul does. He says, since the day we heard of it, that's their faith in Christ. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that, here's an important, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of of God. That was Paul's passion in writing this letter to the church at Colossae. He said, listen, I'm praying that you'll increase in your knowledge, that you'll increase in your understanding of God, but that the result of your increased knowledge, the result of what you learn and put into your life will become fruit on the outside of your life, and it'll be both pleasing to the Father and encouraging and inspiring to all of those around you. That's Paul's passion in this letter is to help them understand the truth, to get back to the basics, and learn to walk. Paul longed for those who had put their faith in Jesus Christ to live lives that reflected who they were. And you and I, we need to be instructed. 
We need to be reminded. We need to be challenged. We need to be encouraged to do the same. And the purpose of learning to walk is so that we will not be led astray, so that we will not be distracted, and we will not miss out on the life of blessing and peace and joy, and so that we can live lives that are pleasing to the Father. So let's look at the verses that we've got today. Notice how Paul starts. He says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Let me ask you, how did you receive Jesus Christ? How does any person at any point in time receive Jesus Christ and the gift of eternal life? They receive Jesus Christ by what? By faith. Absolutely. So that's our first point today. We have to understand if Paul says, just as you have received Jesus, how did you receive Jesus? I received him by faith. I received him by faith. It's the only way to receive the gift of eternal life is by faith. The Bible is very, very clear that every person from the Old Testament, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He put his faith in God. He put his faith in the coming Messiah that God announced all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. God said, listen, there's one coming. And those who would put their faith in the Messiah in the Old Testament looking forward to him coming, Jesus came and died on the cross. And in the New Testament, we look back to the cross the only way to receive the gift of eternal life, the only way to receive salvation is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. It's a gift from God. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. It's not what we can do. It's what God did and what God offers and what we receive. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For you are sons of God, how? Through faith in Christ. Christ Jesus. Listen, over 150 times the Bible says that the only way to have a home in heaven when you leave this life, the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way in order for you to be reconciled with God is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Je Jesus said himself in John chapter 4 verse 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So that message is clear. And Paul says in our text now, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So if I am to walk in Him the same way that I received Jesus Christ, then I have to learn to walk by what? By faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm charged here in this passage of Scripture to walk by faith. Faith. The charge that says is, as you've received Christ, now walk in him. That's not a suggestion. That's a charge. That's a command from the word of God. That just as we receive Christ, we are to walk in him. Now let's, let's look at this text and, and understand. This charge that Paul is giving to you and I as believers, to the church at Colossae, is to walk. And specifically, it is to walk by faith. But what does that mean? Well, let's, let's try and understand it. First of all... The word walk in the context here, if we were to look at it in the English language, just literally means our behavior, our conduct, or the manner of life that we have. So what he's saying is, is the conduct, the manner of life that you have would be by faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, when we look back to the original language, the word that's there is peripateo. And it comes from two different parts in the Greek language. Para, which means uh, in, in, in regard to, considering, as a part of, and the pateo means literally, listen, to trample under or to trot upon. So having to do with trampling under or trotting upon, that's literally what he's saying here. So when you get the picture that Paul is trying to paint, when you understand this language, 
What he says is you and I are charged to walk in such a way that we trample under or we trot upon or we find ourselves on top of, living on top of, walking on top of the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in. That's what walking by faith is. It means putting the things of this world that would come at you, the things of this world that would distract you, the things of this world that would get you off track, putting those things under your feet and walking forward in faith in victory in Jesus' name. So, so we come to understand that walking by faith means that I'm going to live this life not with my focus on my circumstances here, but by faith. You see, it's just like you were born dead in your trespasses and sins. You were born with a nature to sin. You were born destined for an eternity separated from God in a very real place called hell. The only thing that changed that is the moment that you made a decision to put your faith, your trust, your belief in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, you became a victor over death, you became a victor over hell, you became a victor over grave. And in that same manner, Paul's saying here, just as you received Christ and you got victory over all that junk, then walk in faith and then you'll have victory all over the junk that you're having to deal with in this life. That's what he's saying. It's a very clear picture that Paul is trying to paint for us. And so the question we want to ask ourselves today and that we want to know when we leave this place is how do I walk by faith? How do I do it? How do I come to this place where I can understand? Well, the first thing we need to understand is what is faith? What is faith? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn over a few pages to the right to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look at this passage of Scripture. I mean, here is the very biblical definition of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. What does that mean? It means that I have absolute assurance and security in what I am hoping for. Now, remember, we've talked about this before. Biblical hope is not like hope in this world. Biblical hope is not, man, someday I hope to win the lottery. There is a chance you may win it, but there's a very, very good chance you will never win it. Biblical hope is, I know what's coming, and I'm believing in what's coming, I'm seeing what's coming, and I'm walking toward what's coming because I know it's going to happen. That's biblical faith, and that's biblical hope. And then he says the conviction of things not seen. The conviction just means the absolute belief, the absolute belief that what I don't see is going to come to be. It's been said that faith, that faith is, sees what is not as though it were. Faith sees what is not as though it were. Look down from verse 1, drop down two verses down to verse 3. Listen to this. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was made out of, not made out of things which are visible. Now let me, let me help you put this in perspective. How did God create the world? He created it by faith. You may have never thought about this before, but God created the world by faith. What does that mean? Well, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What did God do? God looked out. Was there anything there when God began to create the world? Was nothing there. The world was formless and void. All that was out in whatever you want to call it, the cosmos, all of the universes that were put together, God was there looking at all of this, and there was nothing there. But through faith, 
God began to see what he was going to create. And God spoke what he began to see through faith, and the worlds came to be out of nothing. That's faith. Faith is seeing what is not there as though it is. God looked into time and he said, I'm going to create time. I'm going to create universes. I'm going to create the world. I'm going to create the earth. I'm going to create animals. I'm going to create mankind. And it's all going to come to be. And he began to speak what he saw. He began to speak what he believed. And listen, friends, we're here today because of faith and vision and speaking and believing and the assurance of what was hoped for and the conviction of what was not seen. So if we're talking about living by faith, we're talking about living in such a way that we are seeing what is not there, living in such a way that we are seeing the victory on the other side of where we are. I must see this life through the eyes of faith. I must see my circumstances around me, put them aside and look through the circumstances to see the victory that is on the other side. When you are being overwhelmed, when you are being overloaded, when you are being overcome by your circumstances and situations in this life, you need to look through the eyes of faith. You need to see the victory on the other side. You need to, by faith, have the absolute assurance that you are an overcomer, that there is victory on the other side, that you're going to trot upon and trample this situation under your feet, and you will come out on the other side because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That's the picture that Paul is trying to paint. When we understand that we are to walk in the same way that we received Christ, we're to walk by faith, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, that no matter what I see around me, I'm going to move forward. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because if I walk by sight, what am I seeing? All the junk of this world. All I'm seeing is the situation that I'm in. All I'm seeing are the circumstances that I'm surrounded by. All I'm seeing is all the heartache that's going on. The collapse of what's going on in the world. The moral decay. Man, if I put my eyes on that, I'm going to tell you I'm going to be the saddest guy in the world. But I don't walk by, by sight. I walk by faith. So faith looks past all of this stuff. It says, listen, I'm going to walk on top of all of that. I'm going to trample that under my feet because there is victory on the other side. And through the eyes of faith, I see it. And I have the assurance and the conviction that what I see out there one day is going to be mine. That's walking by faith. That's living in victory. And that's what he wants. We can't put our focus on the junk of this world. We have to move past it. When there's not enough money to pay the bills at the end of the month, we say, thank you, Lord, because my bills are going to be paid. When I'm sick and I'm hurting, I look past the disease and I say, Lord, thank you that healing is out there in the future for me. When I'm struggling in my relationships, I look past the struggles and I say, God, I see restoration and reconciliation in the future for me in these relationships. And I thank you for that. And I'm going to walk in that. And I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to have the assurance that what I'm hoping for is going to come to pass. That's walking in faith. That's walking by faith. Listen, don't focus on the difficulty. Look with the eyes of faith and see the victory. Just as you receive Christ by faith, so walk in him. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Three things that Paul points out very quickly for us. First of all, how we walk by faith. Let's look at this verse. He says, having been firmly rooted, having been firmly rooted. 
and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So he says in the first verse, as you receive Christ, walk in him. How do we do it? Here he goes. Three things that Paul says how we are to walk by faith. First of all, I must be rooted in Christ. I must be rooted in Christ. Paul begins by saying that in order to walk by faith, there is a mandate. There is a prerequisite that has to be in place. You have to have your roots, your foundation, if you will, in Jesus Christ. In simplest terms, let me just say it like this. If you're going to be an overcomer in this life and have hope for any life eternally, you must be a believer in Jesus Christ. You must have come to the place where you put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know if you're going to spend eternity in heaven, if you've never come to that place in your life where you put your trust in Jesus Christ, let me just tell you that right where you're seated, right where you are right now, you come to the place of understanding that Jesus Christ left the throne of heaven. He came down to this earth and he lived a perfect life. He was fully human. He was fully God. And he lived an absolute sinless life. And therefore, because he was sinless, he didn't deserve what sin's wages are. The Bible says the wages of sin or what we deserve for sin is death. That's separation from God forever. It's spiritual death. We're all going to die physically. But we die physically because we're spiritually dead creatures. So when we come to understand that we're all sinners and the wages of sin, what we deserve is separation from God, we needed a solution and God provided the solution through Jesus Christ. He came and he lived a perfect life so he didn't deserve the wages of sin and he willfully went to the cross and gave his life on the cross. He died in your place. The Bible says once for all he died. He paid the price for sin. He became the satisfactory payment for all sin, for all time, for all mankind. And then on the third day, they put him in the grave. And on the third day, he arose from the grave. He defeated hell. He defeated sin. And he defeated the grave. The raises of sin is death. He defeated death because he came up from the grave. He defeated hell because being separated from God puts us in hell. And so he defeated the grave because he walked out of it. And if you put your faith in what Jesus did, not in what you can do, then you too can have the gift of eternal life. I visited with a guy this week. And he told me, he said... He said, Rodney, he said, living life is hard. I said, yes, sir. He said, you used to pastor, right? I said, yes, sir. He's one of the guys that work for us. He said, I try to read the Bible, and, and I read the Bible, and I listen to the Bible on YouTube. I said, that's good, brother. That's good. He said, I'm trying to do good. It's so hard. I said, Renee, it's not about being good. It's about putting your faith in Jesus. You know what he said? That's all. I said, that's all. I said, then you don't have to fear death. Then you can walk and learn to walk in such a way that you learn to live right because of what is on the inside of you. He said, okay. I said, you need to go back. And I told him where to read in the Bible. I'm going to have another conversation with him. Because I, I think he grew up in a, in a different culture. He grew up in a different religion. And so he has this idea of, you have to live right in order to go to heaven. Friends, you can live right and you'll miss heaven. You can be the best person the world has ever seen and you'll miss heaven. Because the, the reality is you're born with a nature to sin. You're born dead in your trespasses and sin. But by faith in Jesus, you can be born again. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have a home in heaven. And that's the foundation that you have to build upon. 
If you don't have that foundation, friends, forget about walking in faith and overcoming in this life and living in victory because you don't have the right roots. You're not getting your source from the right place. And so you need to have the foundation laid that is Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice something. It says, have been. Have been. What is that? What is he saying there? Having been firmly rooted. In the Greek, there's a lot of tenses, and we studied this when we took the WCI classes. If you remember, those of you who took those, this tense is something that happened in the past that continues to have effect in the future. So there was a point in time when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and that, that putting your faith in Jesus Christ continues to have an effect on your life. And that's what Paul's saying. Having been firmly rooted, having put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, still impacts your life today. Why? Because it's the very foundation upon which you can live and walk by faith. Having been firmly rooted in Jesus Christ means that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him. Looking at Ephesians chapter 2, it says, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on. What are you being built on? What's your foundation? The apostles and prophets, which, by the way, is the word of God, and Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. He is the cornerstone. He is the piece of the foundation that makes it all fit together. And in order for you to walk by faith, you have to be fitted together, beginning with Jesus Christ. Now, most of you know that, that when I left here, I went to work for a company. We build churches all over the United States. We help pastors and, and churches build facilities that help them with their ministries and help them reach people for Christ. And so, the other about two weeks ago, I had the privilege to go to Stillwater. We're building a church over there. I had a privilege to go over and watch the final hours before they poured the concrete foundation and before they and while they actually poured the foundation and i'm going to tell you meticulously they were going through every piece of that foundation measuring every pipe that was for the plumbing the electric all the fire sprinkler system all of those pieces they were measuring the anchor bolts that all the steel that would be erected was going to be tied to they measured every form to make sure that they were exactly the right width and the right length and put in the exact right place they had a surveyor who was shooting every piece of the building, making sure that once that foundation was poured, that it would be exactly right. During that five or six hours while they were pouring concrete, the project manager and I went over and sat out on the back of a trailer, and he said, you see all that's going on here and all that's been going on for the last seven or eight hours? He said, it's the most important part of an entire building project. Because he said, if the foundation isn't right, the whole rest of the building is in jeopardy. Friends, it's true with your life. If your foundation isn't right, your life is in jeopardy. Your eternity is in jeopardy. You need to be rooted in Jesus Christ. And at that point, when you accept him and put your faith in him, it is something that doesn't, didn't just happen back there. It is something that happened back there, but it continues to have an effect on your life today. If we're not rooted in Jesus, we don't have him as a firm foundation our lives are in jeopardy. They're chaotic. They're without peace. They're without purpose. And, they, and we always will be overcome and overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. Friends, I just want to tell you, God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for you. He wants you to live in victory. He desires that you put your faith in Jesus and that you live and walk daily by faith. So first of all, I have to be rooted in Jesus. But here's the second thing that Paul says. I must actively build on my foundation. I must actively build on my foundation. 
He goes on to say, having been firmly rooted, and now, we'll notice that in just a moment, being built up in him. And now, when is that? That's present tense. That's something that should be going on right now. That's why I said actively build. Actively build. Listen, to walk by faith, to trample under the circumstances of life, it takes more than just putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You must continue to grow, continue to build, continue to add, and, and continue to construct the pieces of your life around him. Listen, if we had just poured the foundation and poured the concrete for that building and gone off and left it, it would have benefited the church none. It would have been a nice place to have a picnic, and that would have been about it. But over the next months, we're going to begin to erect the steel, and we'll put the outside on the building, and we'll frame the walls, and we'll hang the sheetrock, and we'll put the electric and the plumbing in and the light fixtures, and then we'll begin to put the carpet and the tile and the seats and the audio and visual and lighting, and one day soon they're going to have church in that building. Why? Because we continue to build it. We continue to put the pieces in it. We, can, we have a master plan to continue to add to the whole entire facility in the days ahead as they continue to grow. And your life and my life has the same requirements. If you and I are going to learn to walk by faith, to live in victory and overcome the circumstances in life, then we must continue to build ourselves up in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, how do I do that? Let me just tell you, it's as simple as putting the word in you. Because the word is the bread of life. The word is the source. The word is the way that in order for me to see beyond my circumstances, I have to have something to stand on. I have to have a foundation, and I need to begin to put that word around me, and that word becomes visible to me as I live my life. So you need to be reading your Bible. You need to, you need to take this thing, and you need to sit down at least once a day and open it up and begin to put it into your life. I thank God. For the verses that we memorized when I was here at Sequoia Hills Baptist Church. The God brings those verses to my mind all the time. And I continue to strive to memorize scripture on a regular basis. Because I've got to hide God's word in my heart so that I don't sin against him. But also so that he can use that word in my life to help build my faith. To build me up in Jesus Christ. To help me to have the vision to see beyond where I am now to where God wants me to be. And I thank God that you have a pastor who teaches you the word of God. I thank God that you have a pastor that teaches you the whole word. I thank, you, I thank the Lord that you're sitting under biblical teaching. And you must sit under biblical teaching. You need to be in a Bible study. You need to be hearing good preaching on the word of God. Because those are the ways that you build yourself up in Jesus Christ. That's what you have to have. And of course the other part of that is you just need to spend time with the Father. And I'm going to tell you, God's teaching me some things in my life. And spending time with God in prayer doesn't mean that I'm always talking. Sometimes you need to listen. Because God has something to say to you. God will bring a word into your heart and into your mind. He may bring a scripture to your mind. And you need to take time when he brings that in. Go sit down and open it up and look at it. You need to be listening and spending time alone with the Father. If you want to actively build your life, actively build, then you need to be intentionally in the word, under the teaching, and spending time in prayer. Being rooted in Jesus is the first prerequisite, but it doesn't stop there. My dad, many of you know, is battling with cancer. And several months ago, we put him on hospice. He got really, really bad again. 
And we called in hospice and we put dad on hospice. And for about two months now, dad's been laying in bed. But he had a massive treatment just before we put him on hospice to try and overcome some of the pain, the symptoms that were created by the cancer to help him be a little bit more comfortable. Well, by God's grace, let me just tell you, my dad has gotten much better being on hospice. But you know what? Laying in bed for two months, his muscles have atrophied. And I have to take my dad and pick him up, move him over, and set him down in a wheelchair in order to get him out in the living room with the family when we're all there for birthday dinners or when we come to visit. But about three weeks ago, we have a, a nurse, Zade, that comes and, and helps my mom and takes care of my dad along with hospice. And she began to exercise his muscles and his legs. And for about two weeks, three times a week, she was exercising his muscles. Well, mom left the other day to go get some groceries. The little girl that was there that's taking care of him, my dad said, hey, I want you to go get my walker. So she went and got his walker. He said, I think I want to try to walk. She said, okay, I'll help you get in the walker, and I'll get the wheelchair, and I'll follow right behind you, and if you ever need to sit down, you can sit down. He walked down the hallway, through the living room, out into the garage, to the backyard, looked around, said, when you get done, I want you to come back out and water those plants and those plants and those plants. <laughs> he walked back through the garage. He went out in the front yard, and he said, I want you to move that pot over there so it'll be in the sprinkler system and put water in all of those. He said, I think I'm ready to go back in and get in bed. He walked back into the garage, back through the kitchen, through the living room, down the hallway, got in bed, and stayed in bed the rest of the afternoon. Now, I tell you that story to tell you this. That, friends, he had to work his muscles in order to get back to the point that he could stand up and walk. And sometimes, as believers in Jesus Christ, we get firmly rooted, and we build, and we build, and something hits us in life, and all of a sudden, we put the tools down, and we let the materials stack up over in the corner, and we stop building. And let me tell you what happens when you stop building. You stop being able to see with the eyes of faith. You stop being able to have the assurance of what you're hoping for. You stop being able to have the conviction of what you're believing in. And all of a sudden, you begin to be trampled under by the circumstances of life instead of treading upon the circumstances of life because you're no longer walking by faith. You're walking by sight. So if you want to learn to walk by faith, you want to continue to walk by faith, you need to continue to build on the building. You need to continue to put the Word of God in your life. You need to be able to put the presence of God in your life. You need to continue to grow. Now, here's the third thing, and that is this. I must have confidence in what I believe. I must have confidence in what I believe. He says here, and established in your faith just as you were instructed. That word established literally means to have confidence, to be secure in. So the third challenge of what Paul is teaching us in order to walk by faith is that we need to have confidence in what we believe. When you're surrounded by trouble, when you're surrounded by difficulty, when, when your state of affairs seems overwhelming, you must be able to look through the eyes of faith and see the other side. You must be able to take God at his word that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You must be able to take God at his word that he will bring a peace that passes understanding in the midst of your storm. He's done it once, he'll do it again. You need to be able to have faith. You need to be able to trust the word of God that what he puts in your heart and in your life through his word will come to pass. The vision that you see of victory 
and overcoming is a reality. It's not a pipe dream. Faith is the assurance of what you are hoping for. Faith says, I have confidence in what I am seeing that I am going to receive. It's the conviction and the confidence that, of what God's word says will come to pass. That's what I believe God has helped me see becomes a reality. Now let me tell you that while you may get all the confidence in the world today, and you may have a word from the Lord that you're standing on. Rest assured, the enemy, the devil, is going to show up tomorrow. And he's going to cry, try and create doubt. He's going to try and create confusion. He's going to try and create distraction in your life. He wants you to set the tool belt off. He wants you to say, man, I, look at all these circumstances. I just don't know if I can get there or not. Let me just tell you something, friends. That's the enemy. And he would love to derail your train on seeing and believing what God has for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. He wants you to not be able to see it and have the assurance of it because the enemy has a twofold mission. We've talked about it before. He wants you to doubt God's love and doubt God's word. Listen, friends, if God's word says it, whether you believe it or not, that's enough. It settles it. But faith is made because I believe it to be true. I am convicted with absolute certainty. I have confidence in what I believe. That's why it's so critically important that you actively build every day, putting the Word of God into your life, putting it into your heart, putting it into your mind, memorizing it so that you have the confidence when the devil comes your way, that when you, you can place your trust in God, you can place your faith in His Word, you can place your assurance on what you are believing and hoping for, and that what God has promised, you will be able to walk in victory. It is the absolute confidence in what I believe. Established, secure, and firm. What? In what I see and what I believe. In what God's Word says. It's all stacked upon another. Rooted in Christ. Built on God's Word. Confident in, what, in both of those that you've built on. That's how it works. That's walking and living by faith. So what happens? What happens when, just as I've received Christ, I learn to walk in Him. I learn to walk by faith. There's one result, and that's the last part of this verse. The result of walking by faith, I will overflow with gratitude. I will overflow with gratitude. He says in verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And the last part of verse 7, overflowing with gratitude. Now listen, if I'm walking by faith, if I'm living on top of my circumstances with a vision of the life that God intends for me to have, if I am seeing the victory, speaking the victory, experiencing the victory in my life, the only result will be that I will overflow with gratitude. I won't be able to help it. If I'm walking on the circumstances of life, if I'm headed toward victory and I believe in my heart, I have the confidence in what I believe, listen, friends, all that's going to come out of you is joy and peace and thankfulness to the Lord for what he's going to do, what he is bringing to pass by his word and by my faith. So when you see believers that are not grateful and they're always down in the dumps and negative, you can be certain that they, they don't see through the eyes of faith. They're walking by sight and not by faith. They have their eyes on the circumstances. They're not seeing beyond their situation. And the enemy has them distracted and disturbed. Listen, the only way to overflow with gratitude is look through the eyes of faith. Get a vision for what God has for you and thank God for it. Even though you don't have it yet, 
you have the confidence that it is going to come to pass. Don't walk around talking about how bad it is or how awful it is. Walk around thanking God for how great it is going to be. That's walking by faith. That's walking by faith. When you and I learn how to gain the assurance of the things that we're hoping for and the confidence and the conviction of the things that we cannot see with our regular eyes but we can see with our spiritual eyes, we won't be able to help but to overflow with gratitude to all of those around us. So let's tie a ribbon around this. Paul says, listen, just as you receive Christ, live. Live a life in that same manner, and that is by faith. Faith is seeing what is not visible, but is what is to come. Getting our eyes off our struggles, off our circumstances, off our difficulties, and ask God to help you see through all of that, through the eyes of faith, and have victory. Catch a glimpse of it. And then begin to thank God for it. Thank the Lord that my son or my daughter is going to be reconciled. Thank the Lord that my relationship with my family is going to be restored. Thank the Lord that you're going to have groceries to eat this week. And thank you, Lord, that my friend or my spouse is going to be saved. Thank you, Lord. And you fill in the blank and you begin to speak like that. The enemy begins to run in fright because he knows that faith can conquer anything. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And who is the prince of the world? It's the devil. If you want to be an overcomer, you must live and walk by faith. It's walking toward what you can't see, what's not in front of you yet, but what will be. And if you and I can learn to live and walk like that, we will overflow with joy. And it will spill out on all of those around us. That's what God desired. That's what Paul was praying for in chapter 1. He said, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of who you are, and that you'll be pleasing to God. Let me ask you to bow your heads. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't have the assurance of eternal life. I, I shared with you just a few moments ago that right where you're at, you can make a decision in your heart to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not in what you can do or who you are, where you've been, does not matter. But you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here this morning and you know you're firmly rooted in Christ. No question that you're saved and going to heaven, but you know without a doubt you've not been walking by faith. That your eyes have been on your circumstances and your situation and you've been down in the ditch and down in the dumps. And God doesn't want that for you. He wants to give you a vision of victory. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Make a commitment for the next month to build upon the foundation to begin to put God's word into your heart, into your mind, and into your life. Find some scriptures that, that address the very circumstance that you're in and begin to memorize those scriptures and say those scriptures and read those scriptures out loud and begin to build on the foundation so that you can build your faith to live and walk by faith and not by sight. And if you'll begin to do that, you'll begin to see victory. You'll begin to walk in victory. And you'll begin to experience victory and your life will overflow with gratitude and others will see that and you'll have the opportunity to share Jesus because he'll be real to you not something you did years ago but something that is real to you today and that's what God desires and then when this life is over you'll arrive home and you'll hear well done good and faithful servant because you've lived a life that has been pleasing to the Father Lord I thank you for the privilege of sharing your truth. And Father, for 
the fact that there are, there are all kinds of folks here, Father, myself included, that have been in the, in the midst of circumstances that seem overwhelming and undoable. But Father, I thank you that you're a God of can do, not can't do. I thank you, Father, that your word has a promise that I can claim. And Lord, I thank you that if we'll continue to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ and put your word within our hearts, that our faith will have something to stand on, that we'll have confidence in what we believe, and that we can trample under those circumstances. Father, that we can live in victory. Father, I pray that you would help our unbelief. Give us the faith to trust you. And then, Father, show us the victory to walk toward. And I rejoice in those who will walk toward it with joy and overflow with gratitude and arrive home having been well-pleasing to you. Father, I pray that you would do it, believing that you will, in the lives of those who hear this message. And I pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.